Hey, Cornerstone family, it's Monday, March the 15th, and I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying this time together and counting the days until we can be together for Easter, which is just a few weeks away. Yesterday, we started a new series in Jonah. We'll continue that for the next couple of weeks, and then Easter Sunday is the first Sunday in April. So now's a good time to begin making plans to both be here, but also to invite friends and family as folks are getting more comfortable getting out and many more getting vaccinated and things like that. uh, We just look forward to seeing new friends and old friends uh, back together again at Cornerstone on Easter Sunday. And I want to remind you that on Palm Sunday, that's March the 28th, on Palm Sunday, we will be having our Easter egg hunts after each morning service. So after the 9 a.m. service and after the 11 a.m. service, We'll be having an Easter egg hunt. They're open to the public. Anyone can come. Uh, But the deal is uh, the kids have to be in service to get a wristband so that we know that they've been temperature checked and all of those things. So uh, invite your friends and family to be there, but let them know they've got to come for that nine o'clock or 11 o'clock service. They can't just show up for the Easter egg hunt. And we're not doing that to be uh, exclusive or to exclude anyone in, in any way, shape or form, but just simply because we already have safety protocols in place during the services. And this allows us to make sure that all the kids are temperature checked and everybody's ready to go uh, when the Easter egg happens. Again, immediately after the 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock services on the 28th. Well, today I want to jump into the reading in the New Testament plan in Acts chapter 17 and read a passage of scripture from Acts chapter 17, verse 10 through verse 21. It says, that very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. They listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. But then some of the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea. They went there and stirred up trouble. The believers acted at once, sending Paul onto the coast while Silas and Timothy remained behind. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join him. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. It's a really interesting passage of Scripture. We see Paul interacting really with three different groups of people. First, the Jews in Thessalonica who had run him out previously, and then the Jews in the synagogue in Berea. And there's this fascinating passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, this this verse, where it says that the people of Berea, they were open-minded, but they also, they checked the Scriptures to make sure that everything that Paul and Silas was teaching was true. And so here what we see is a very biblical response, a very right-minded response to any teaching. Any teaching ought to stand up against the test of Scripture. And if it doesn't, then it's not from God. 
We live in a day and age when a lot of people want to be seen as having a new idea or some new thing, and particularly people that are in in media ministries, on television, on the radio, writing books. It's really good for book sales and really good for TV ratings if you have some new idea or some new thought or some new interpretation or some hidden meaning. But the reality of most of those teachings is that they really are just that. They're a marketing ploy. And so what I want to encourage you to do is test every one of those teachings against Scripture. You see something on Facebook, you see an article on Facebook that really, it just really excites you. Okay, check it against Scripture. You hear somebody on TV preaching or teaching something, check it against Scripture. That's what we are called to do. That's what the Bereans did. And it's a really, really simple and powerful truth. And that is that anything anyone teaches that purports to be from God ought to be tested against Scripture. But then we see Paul, after the Thessalonians run him out of town, we see Paul in Athens confronting a very different group. He confronts these Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, these people who get to sit around and talk about the latest ideas and the latest trends in, in, in fashion and philosophy and in, in governance, and, and he confronts them with the gospel as well. And I find it rather fascinating because Paul seems to be very adaptable in terms of his methods and his teaching. Now, the, the gospel truth doesn't change. He talks to the, the Jews and to uh, the, the Greeks about the resurrection of Jesus, about Jesus and his death and his resurrection, but his methods, his 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 interaction with them changes. And if you think of it in terms of a sports analogy, if you're a coach and you're preparing to go up against one football team and they have a great quarterback who throws long, deep passes, you prepare your defense in one way. And if you're going up against another football team the next week and they have a really strong running game and, and they run the ball really good, then you prepare your defense in another way. You put in different schemes, you, 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 you approach it in a different way. And Paul is doing just that. He's preaching the same guy gospel, but he's preaching it to these different audiences, and all of these audiences are responding in 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 very receptive ways to the message that people want to hear. And if you continue on in, in reading Acts chapter 17, verses 22 and following, it's 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 the apostle Paul really talking to the philosophers and talking to them about this this grave to an unknown God, this altar to an unknown God. And he he tells them, I can tell you who it is. I can tell you who this God that you don't know, I can tell you who he is and how he presented himself to the world in the person of Jesus. And so a really powerful passage of scripture. But mostly what I want you to focus on today is this thought that Paul's methodology methodology changed depending on his audience. If he's talking to the Jews in the synagogue, he has one method. It's the same message. It's still Jesus and him crucified and resurrected, but he has one method in the synagogues, and then he has another method in Athens on the street and amongst the philosophers. Still the same message, Jesus crucified and resurrected, but the methods change. His communication style changes, and, and he's received in both of these places. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you with that, that we ought to be adapting our methods, not our message. Our message stays the same. Our message is the same as Paul's, that Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead. And so our message stays the same, but we ought to be adapting our methods on social media, on streaming, in our in our workplace, in all of these different ways. We ought to be adapting our methods because what we learn is 
that the gospel is powerful. And when the gospel is presented, regardless of the method, the message takes hold and the message is powerful and the message is responded to. And so that's my challenge to you today is how are you sharing that message? Maybe it's on social media. Maybe it's over lunch with a coworker. Maybe it's in your own home with someone who's not serving the Lord. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. How are you sharing the message and how ought your methods adapt to those opportunities. We've had to do that. It was about a year ago that we had to go to all virtual because of COVID for about 14 weeks. We were nothing but virtual. We had to adapt our methods. The message stayed the same, but we had to adapt our adapt our methods. And so I'm just going to ask you today to consider that. What would be the changes to your methods that might make the message better received? that might make your audience respond to the message of the goodness of God and the grace of Jesus and be open to that. Be open to God using you in unique and powerful ways because we have a lot of methods at our disposal today. We have a lot of opportunities. We have a lot of channels to through which we can we can share the good news and we ought to be doing it in more and, and, and more varied ways than we ever have before. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the the method of a podcast. Thank you for streaming that has allowed us to continually worship together, even in the midst of a pandemic. Thank you, Jesus, for, for the written word. Thank you for social media, for all of the ways that we have opportunities to share your goodness. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us of how our methods ought to be adapted, how our methods ought to change so that we can continue to share the message of the good news of Jesus. I pray your blessing upon my church family today. I pray, God, that you would just be with them that you'd surround them with your presence and your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I love you. We'll be back on this channel tomorrow.